You're listening to Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington. Hi, JBC. I'm so glad to be able to be with you and share with you this morning. So glad you guys were able to join us.、Um, now I don't even just get to speak with the children, I get to speak with all of you. And so、um, I hope、uh, this passage from Isaiah 61 wasn't、um, unfamiliar to you, but by chance it was.、Uh, this is from, just to give you a little bit of Context as to what's happening with this verse.、Um, this was a prophecy from Isaiah, and Isaiah actually gave this、um, more than 100 years before it actually happened. What ended up happening was that、um, the Israelites, God's chosen people, were、um, captured by the Babylonians and they were sent into exile, slash, captives, and all these things. For more than 70 years as a consequence of rejecting God. Now,、um, I can only imagine that,、oh, as God's chosen people, to have this happen to you, and 100 years beforehand to have heard this prophecy,、um, you're like, what does this all mean? Oh,、uh, I think we're all good. Maybe, maybe not. But when it all finally happened,、um, They start to see what, was actually, what God actually meant when He sent Isaiah to share that message.、Um, also, interestingly, with this passage, it is also a messianic、um, prophecy. So we hold on to it and it continues to be relevant to us today. So、um, now, thinking about you, the generations or the, the people who had just gotten captured, existing and serving others. And being seen as less than and lower than this dominant culture、um, through the oppression, through the suffering that they endured those 70 years. I can only imagine、um, the lamenting that was happening, the crying out, the frustration, the questioning of, like, Lord, what is happening? I thought we were your people. But then comes back into play. This message that they had heard more than 100 years earlier from Isaiah, this message, this prophecy, this memory of hope、um, that was spoken more than 200 centuries earlier at that point by the end of the, their captivity. And this message was one who is coming, one who has the spirit that they'd heard about. One with the good news for the poor. They're like, that's us, we're poor in spirit. We're literally poor in just looking around at their spaces and their community. And then we also, well, what will this one person do? According to the verses we look back at, they're going to mend the broken, the crushed, the shattered hearts. And for those people at that time, in those generations, imagine I being less than 70, <laughs> had I grown up in that and that's all I'd ever known, it'd be, it'd be difficult to think about wait, I'm, we're God's chosen people?、Um, okay. Or I look at my parents who are, who, who if they were in that time too, Their entire lives as well. So I'm looking at my life, I'm looking at the lives of my children, I'm looking at the lives of my parents and all of my community, and we're 
the spaces that we're living in, the places that we're at, broken, shattered, and crushed. They didn't have the authority. They didn't have the wherewithal within themselves because there was a dominant culture over them. And this one not only will mend all these broken hearts and crushed people and crushed hearts, they'll proclaim freedom, freedom for the captives, which they were like, that's us. <laughs> and not only that, they'll also provide comfort and just in general provide all that they need for those who are grieving and mourning. So in the midst of just this dark space and this dark time, the Israelites leaned on this prophecy. They didn't know what it meant before, but they continued to hold it. And now, even during those, each of those 70 years that passed, that captivity continued, they continued to see, okay, Lord, who is this one that will save us from this despair, from this space of oppression? And I actually want to pull back and say, look at the verses again. In verse 2, it says, the year of our Lord's favor. And oftentimes, you know, sometimes I think if someone doesn't actually look at it, they're like, Lord's favor, that's great. That means the God's on my side. Cool. I like that. In that context, actually, the year of the Lord's favor also meant the acceptable year of the Lord, or in other words, was the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee was much more than just like God's on your side. It was an understood um, time within the people that if by chance I didn't have enough money to pay for my land or provide for my family, I could sell myself to a family and they would give me a certain amount of money so that I can provide for my family, so I'll give that, them, give that to them. Or maybe I just couldn't afford to, um, to live or to run my farm, so I will portion off and I'll mortgage off or I'll give part of um, or loan off part of my land to somebody else and they would have it. But, and within this community, or the understood um, practice was at the year of Jubilee, on the 50th year, all debts were cleared, all captives were returned, all of the debts, oh wait, I said that one, debts, captives, servants, anything was going back. So had I put myself into servitude, servitude for someone else, I would no, no longer be under their, uh, under their authority. For the land that I had mortgaged off because I couldn't pay for, to feed my family, that land comes back to me. So they, when, they hear, when they heard the year of the Lord's favor, they understood what that freedom meant. They would no longer be held by these things that, or, and structures that were binding them, that were controlling them. So thinking about that context of year of the Lord's favor, this is when the one who has the spirit who's going to proclaim the good news. Now, spoiler alert, if you didn't know or for, by chance didn't remember, Jesus did read the first two verses of this in Luke chapter 4 before his active ministry. And he completed that part. I'll actually repeat what he said. 
The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he closed it. And he said to all of them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And now they knew the significance of this prophecy for the captives of the Babylonian captives when they were over there, when they were in exile. But they were also looking forward to a Messiah because they knew this was a messianic prophecy. They knew this passage. And so when he read it, when Jesus read it, and he also told them, um, FYI, it's being fulfilled right now as you're hearing it. Proclaiming the Jubilee was an idea that the Jewish people fully understood. The release of land, the release of debt, the release of captives, in the physical sense. Like, all my stuff is going to go back to me. I'm going to become my own person again. But Jesus came, and he ushered in new terms. He fulfilled the rest of that prophecy releasing all the captives, not just the power of money, the power of freedom, the power of just possession, but the freedom from sin and the captivity to sin, our death in sin. Oh, <laughs> just sit in that for a second. This prophecy started off, yes, for the exiles, became, but it was fulfilled with Jesus' coming. And what do those people receive after they've, you know, this jubilee? They're trading in something, right? They're trading back their freedom. They're trading back all these different things. In verse 3, we look at the, and see that they were bestowed. Something was bestowed upon them. So no longer are they going to have um, ashes of grieving, but beauty. No longer are they going to be mourning, but instead have joy. No longer are they going to be in despair, but have the garment of praise, where you literally wear the praise and the glory of God. What a great trade-off. <laughs> this jubilee, or this idea of the year of our Lord's favor that comes through Jesus. So this week, we lit the candle of love, reminding us how Jesus came into the world, sacrificing his comfort and his honor as the Son of God to show us God's love. This type of love goes beyond just like words or easily purchased gifts. This is a life-changing, world-altering, culture-shifting type of love. It's an agape love that only can come from God, not out of ourselves because we are limited, we are human. And as recipients of that love, this life-changing love, what do we do with it? According to the verses, in verse 4 it says, they, be, they will become oaks of righteousness, a planting of God's 
of God, a planting of God and display of his glory and goodness. Now, I don't know if you've, I, I've just started, like, from the city, I don't know much about plants, <laughs> but I had to look it up. I was like, okay, oak tree. And they are, those, those really big, massive, impressive trees that they, I, th I believe they last for more than a thousand years. They, they, they become old when they hit 700 years. And even when they start to die, their decline is so slow that just little parts of them stop um, looking uh, lively. They go up to 148 feet. So about, think of, imagine a 14 or 15 foot building. That's an oak tree. These oaks of righteousness are the people who receive this love. We display God's love, his glory, his power. And not only do they, are they just there to sit pretty and just be like, Lord's awesome. Instead, they also rebuild, restore, and renew that which was ruined for generations. Those are pretty impressive oaks. That's a pretty impressive people. People are shifted and changed and transformed by love. And I'm not talking about the, the, the love that the, the world tells us about. You know, it's, it looks like this. It sounds like this. That is literally just, just the tiniest corner of what God means and God's fullness in love. Sadly, we are, um, the suffering um, that the Hebrews experienced are too similar to the systems that still exist today. Isn't that crazy? Just, you know, it's just different names, different countries, different people, but it is all due to the brokenness at the hands of sin. And during this pandemic, sadly enough, um, or maybe not sadly enough, we are starting to become more aware and more, it's more apparent the things we're seeing in the news, the things we're hearing, the things people are protesting about. Those are the things that God was proclaiming freedom when Jesus came. Jesus came, and then when he left, he left us the spirit. So that spirit that he said is on him to proclaim the good news, to set the captives free, and all those different things, is with us. As long as we stay connected to the Lord. And with that spirit, let's live in that love that Jesus brought in his coming. So I encourage you to experience it. Not just know it in your head. Oh yeah, God loves me, Jesus loves me. Let's sit in this type of love that moves mountains. I encourage you to live in the good news of God's great love, to mend the broken, crushed, and shattered hearts, to proclaim, and as led, working for that freedom for others and, their, and the, those who mourn, to comfort and provide. 
for those who are in despair. They're in the depths. Let's be those oaks of righteousness. And if you by chance don't yet know of this love, great. I hope you're learning a little bit more so that you're willing to accept it, that you're willing to receive this love that can only come from God, that can only come from the Lord.